bit of a problem, see? I mean, everything was going good. And then some dumbass junkie... Did I mean, what? Some dumbass junkie did what? You mean you fucked it up? What the fuck is wrong with you? You promised me that everything was gonna be okay, remember? I fucked that sleaze bag for you, and I put myself through fucking hell for you? There's nothing out there! I don't give a shit! You fucking loser! Everybody, it's uh, your beloved host, um, Bobal Bat. <coughs> oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. <coughs> that vape had a throat hit. Uh, wow, uh, <laughs> it's Bobal Baggins, one ball to rule them all, and um. Uh, I've been, I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast, uh, and keeping, uh, up to date with us, you would probably know I've talked about this infamous, uh, recording and I, you know, I had been meaning to release it for quite some time now. And, um, the recording in question is the co-host on the run episode. That's, that's right, ladies and gents. Um, I've been sitting on this one. It's been uh, locked away in the vaults for, fuck, about two and a half years. So I thought I'd just, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, I was just going to give a little backstory um, on this episode and uh, and the progression uh, slash timeline, I guess. Uh, basically, this recording... Um, well, before I get into the backstory, I need to give a very, very serious trigger warning. Um, this is a very triggering episode. So, you know, if you're easily triggered and you, I don't know, if you get easily triggered by uh, people using drugs, then I would say you, or I would highly suggest you... Um, 
shut this one off and, you know, come back to it when you're feeling more, uh, I don't know, ready for it because, you know, the last thing I want to do is, is unnecessarily trigger anyone. Um, uh, it, it's just a very triggering episode and we'll get into why it's so triggering right now, I guess. Um, the co-host on the run episode. So basically, you know, um, I have a co-host. I know he hasn't been very present, um, since, you know, we began releasing episodes. Um, basically uh, there's a whole reason behind that, but, um, you know, this, this podcast, it's been so weird how it's evolved, but basically, um, you know, me, Brian, that's my name, and uh, my co-host Ryan, we had met in jail, um, and uh, we um, got to know each other quite well, and uh, when we had, you know, were going to court and gotten, um, you know, presented to the judge, we were both sentenced to adult drug court, and, um, you know, I've talked about drug court many a times, um, but basically it's the most, it's the strictest court-ordered drug program our sunny state of California has to offer. And so um, we had both coincidentally had been sentenced to uh, 18 months of, of said drug program. And, um, you know, we became uh, best friends. Um, you know, Ryan is like a brother to me. And um, basically, uh, you know, in the early days of our adult drug court program, we had conceived up this idea for Nod Squad and making a podcast. Um, and, and that's what exactly what we did. You know, I, um, I went out and bought a microphone and, uh, we started recording, um, really early sessions of uh, us just telling stories of how we got to where we were at that time and, and just telling more stories. Basically, uh, they were going to eventually, um, become animated cartoons and uh that would still be an awesome thing to do but we just never got around to that we had an animator who was also in drug court named billy and uh you know shout outs billy if you're listening uh he's he i just hit me up i guess um well not i guess yeah definitely hit me up you know like i just he hasn't been very present on social media and it i he never answers his phone so the cartoons never came about but um Yeah, so we, over the months, we had started recording so many episodes. And, you know, I had other friends from Drug Court come on and tell some of their stories. And we were super kind of just scared and hesitant to upload anything because our our drug court counselors and our probation officer were were heavily monitoring us. And we were too paranoid to, to upload these things because we were in fear that they would self-incriminate us, that, you know, we're basically, you know, admitting to, you know, a lot of things, um, you know, before the things we had done before drug court and even some things we were doing during drug court. And so we, we held back on releasing anything and we thought, okay, let's record a bunch of episodes. And then when we graduate, we'll have a hefty, you know, stockpile of stories to release uh, without any fear of, um, incarceration. So that was what our plan was. And, um, you know, um, eventually, you know, uh, 
it, it was like I was I think when this recording was made uh you know me and Ryan were both working in a um we're working at this Italian restaurant in San Luis Obispo he was like a busser slash waiter or server or whatever and I was just a, a piece of shit dishwasher prep cook so I'd hang out in the kitchen and he'd be up in the front and you know we had a lot of fun and um it was like yeah well over two years ago during uh the Thanksgiving holiday and uh it, I mean I I got it the dumb idea to because you know um the drug and alcohol building and everyone who was employed there they they have holiday paid holiday off so you know, if that holiday lies on a Friday or a Monday, we would have like a three day weekend in a row where we wouldn't have to call in for, for te uh, color testing. So, you know, my dumb ass was like, Oh, I could, you know, you know, I could use some drugs. I could use, get some heroin and meth and, you know, you know uh, indulge or, you know, partake for one day and then flush my system for three days. And then by, you know, Monday or Tuesday or however it worked out for that holiday, uh, work, you know, I'd be clean by the time I had to call, start calling testing again. And, uh, that's basically what we did. Uh, and, um, one thing I want to mention is that, you know, I, I hold a lot of survivor's guilt for what ensued afterwards because, you know, that's basically what we did do. And, um, that's, I, 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 that's exactly what I did. I used for one day and put it down. I, I stashed my drugs away from where I was living into in a lockbox and, and hit it in a storage unit and to keep them away the temptation away from myself. Um, and, uh, I put it down and stopped after one day of use and, and Ryan did not, and he kept running with it. And, um, it eventually led him down this dark and twisted path. And, um, he, uh, went in and out of relapse and, and getting in trouble, uh, in drug court, um, getting arrested and, um, to the point where he, he eventually went on the run, um, and, uh, was hiding from probation and drug court. There was a warrant out for his arrest and he's hiding and, you know, he did, he just basically, you know, got so fed up with, with the harsh and strict, um, regulations that are required of one who's, who's in such a program and he, he just said, fuck you to drug court and, and went and went in hiding. And, uh, you know, that's where, uh, this recording takes place. You know, um, at this time I was in what, uh, phase three, there's basically four phases in drug court and, um, you know, every three or every four months, uh, each phase is about four months. So you phase up if you don't get in trouble and then, um, the last six months are like, you know, a maintenance, a recovery maintenance, and then you graduate. So, um, you know, he was months away from, from graduating or not even months. I think he was in phase four. I was in phase three, getting ready to go into phase four, but then they, you know, restarted his program back to square one, which is so such a discouraging thing, you know, when you got so far and then they make you start the whole program over again, you know, like that's just in my mind, that's so fucked up. So, um, you know, I, I had been successfully become this like weekend warrior where I would, you know, during the holiday season, I would, I would pick up for during a three day weekend and put it down. And I somehow, you know, convinced myself that I had control over my addiction that way. 
Um, and then eventually I, I, I spiraled out of control just in the same ways. Um, so yeah, this recording is basically, um, me in the studio, um, doing a phone interview with Ryan while he's hiding out in some undisclosed location, just strung out high as a fucking kite. And, um, the, the, probably the most triggering part of, uh, this, this recording or episode or whatever is, uh, at one point he, he says, Oh, I need to cook up a shot. And, uh, he does so and, and shoots up, you know, live over this phone interview. Um, which I mean, <clears throat> it triggered the fuck out of me then. And it triggers the fuck out of me now when I, when I play it back. So, you know, I, I kind of was hesitant to even release this because I didn't know how to go about, uh, editing it and such. So, um, I was asking a lot of, you know, friends, like, what should I do? Should I release this? Should I censor some of it out? And, you know, I think a lot of people were like, no, fuck that. Don't, don't censor it out. You know, Nod Squad's raw and real. And like, that's what a lot of people want to hear. And then some people were like, um, yeah, you probably should because, you know, I listened to some of your episodes and they were super triggering when you're doing phone interviews with people who are just obliterated and high and openly admitting that they're not, not only under the influence of drugs, but actively using drugs during your phone interview. So, you know, the, the last, I mean, one thing I want to mention is the last thing I ever want is for a listener out there to be listening to our podcast and then have to turn it off because... Uh, it, it got too triggering for them. and But at the same time, I want to provide, you know, really raw content for those who want that sort of thing. But so it's like, it's like a fine line. It's a really narrow line I have to walk to like, all right, I don't want to be too triggering. I don't want to be too preachy about recovery. And so it's been a, a huge challenge for me to um, to maintain as much of that as possible. But anyway... Um, what ended up happening, you know, after this recording is, you know, myself and some other friends had convinced Ryan to turn himself in, um, which he did. And he was incarcerated for a, a week or two or a few weeks and uh, presented to the judge. And he finally surrendered, you know, um, all control over what or what he thought was his control over his addiction and and agreed to go into an inpatient treatment facility uh, coincidentally the one I'm in now, excuse me. So, um, and, and basically what had, had happened is he completed the whole 12 months of treatment, graduated with flying colors and, um, and was doing great. Uh, and then, you know, by that time I had graduated out of drug court and, um, you know, and did well there. Uh, but immediately after walking out of that courtroom with my cert certification of completing the program, I had immediately gone back to my storage unit and relapsed and I was in and out of a relapse. And, uh, it was, um, just a series of, of dark, dark events that unfolded in my life. And even though I may have been able to, you know, stop and do an at home detox and, and stay clean for, and, you know, build up some clean time, I'd always eventually just uh, go back out. You know, I, I wasn't going to meetings. I wasn't practicing steps. I didn't have a sponsor. And if I did, I was like, you know, like not actively working the 12 steps. And, um, and eventually, you know, as you've probably heard in some of our early recordings, I, I, I reached a kind of, not a rock bottom, I'd say, but I, I had reached such a low and lost so many 
wonderful things and people in my life, I, I um, had come to the real, realization that I didn't want to ever lose any more than what I already had up to that point. And so, you know, a lot of people reached out to me and, um, you know, Dave from Dopey gave me a, a actually personal phone call and gave me a lot of tough love, but also gave me a lot of encouraging and inspiring uh, words um, and uh, to, to, con to help me, um, con you know, make the, that hard decision to, you know, go into treatment myself. And um, Ryan had called me and he was doing great at that time. And he said, and yeah, I'll never forget this, but he had said, you know, you know, we were only using the, we were using the only tools that we had at that point, which was drugs. You know, that was our solution to handling all the, the, the things that had happened to us in our life and, you know, handling situations. It's all we knew how to, to cope, uh, with, with all the shit we had seen in our lives or whatever reason people, you know, have for, <clears throat> for abusing and abusing drugs. The only tool we knew on how to handle that was with drugs. But, you know, I realized I needed, I needed to, to develop and learn an entirely new set of tools to build a foundation of, rec of recovery to make my life manageable and to, to reclaim a, a, a life that I love and to learn how to love myself, if that makes any sense. So that's what exactly what I did. And, um, um, you know, I'm in the exact same inpatient treatment facility that Ryan had graduated out of. Um, and, it, and, you know, it's kind of hard to talk about this next part, but I'm just going to say it because, you know, I had kind of vaguely mentioned it in, in the uh, recording a couple episodes ago that he was had been struggling and, um, you know, while, I, oh, while, like the first month I was down there, he would come by and visit me and, you know, we were making plans to, uh, basically do podcasts, um, from his, uh, where he, where the apartment he was renting out. Um, and I would just do podcasts over there to, you know, keep non squad alive and keep content coming out for all of you, you know, lovely people out there who, who enjoy what we do. And, um, you know, he, I, he started to, he, he started to become harder and harder to reach. And, uh, I would never see him at meetings and, uh, people in the, the fellowship or AA or NA, they, they, you know, didn't, weren't able, they had, weren't, weren't hearing from him as much. And, um, you know, I'd call him and the times I could get a hold of him, I'd be like, why, why don't I ever see you at meetings? You know? And he'd be like, Oh, you know, I go to morning meetings and this and that. And, um, the, like, I think the first time my parents came to visit me and take me out for lunch for, and I had gotten a day pass approved. He was supposed to ha join us for lunch. And, uh, you know, I was already get I was already seeing red flags, you know, like, uh, pop up here and there. And, um, just the fact that he wasn't, um, you know, answering his phone and I, I wasn't seeing him around. Um, I was already getting not suspicious, but just worried that he may, uh, slip back into old uh, behaviors and, and relapse. And, you know, I had my MacBook Pro over there and my iPhone, and I, I wasn't necessarily having a fear that he would pawn my shit, but I was having a fear that he was intermingling with with uh, uh, addicts who, 
may steal my shit. So, you know, when my parents came in to visit, I was like, yeah, go over there and uh, pick up my, my, my equipment from him. And, uh, you know, he was supposed to join us for lunch and he had just, you know, my parents went to his apartment and he, they said, oh yeah, Ryan looks really sick. He said he, cause he does this like competitive rowing, I guess. I don't know the exact word for it, but he, his excuse at the time was, oh yeah, I, our boat tipped over and, uh, I swallowed it. I took in a bunch of Harbor water and swallowed Harbor water and it made me sick. And so, you know, that was already kind of suspicious, like at right there, um, he ends up, I end up talking to him on the phone and he just sounds uh, groggy and he just sounds like shit. And, uh, he, he was like, uh, in talking with him, I could kind of see, you know, um, he, signs that he had made, had relapsed. And, um, basically, oh, he, uh, it was saying like, yeah, saying something it's just just complete bullshit because I knew it was bullshit but he was saying yeah you know you know when I when our boat tipped over and I, I swallowed all that harbor water I started to break out in acne and you know then I popped all these zits on my face and uh you know I it, they they look all fucked up and uh you know I didn't want to go in to visit you at inpatient because I didn't want staff or anyone on any of my friends that worked there to think I had relapsed and I was like, yeah, okay, I get it, man, you know, and, um, which the reason I, I knew that was bullshit deep down, even if I was giving him the benefit of the doubt was because like, if you listen to this recording, he says the exact same thing when he had relapsed while we were both up in San Luis Obispo, he did the exact same thing. He would tweak out on his face and get all picked out. And anyone who doesn't know what, you know, the term being picked out means it's like when you tweak out and pick at your face or scratch at your face or tweak out on your face so much you just get like scabs on your face and just it looks fucking horrible so um I was like all right that's weird and then um you know he was giving you know other people other excuses like one of our friends he had said oh I got gotten food poisoning you know and then we'd run into his competitive rowing friends and they're like we'd be like have you seen Ryan at all and uh you know, they, they'd be like, oh, no, he said he had some rare uh, blood disease that he got from, like, an infected tooth or something, and it's a rare blood disease. And so it's like, I'm hearing all these different excuses. So I'm like, the red flags are getting, you know, hotter and hotter to the point where it's like they're red hot. And I'm like, dude, that's all bullshit. I, I know he relapsed. I mean, I can't prove he relapsed. But it's like, dude, like... Yeah. It's like when you're all strung out, I mean, you, the, you know, the, one, one would think that they, like the person using drugs thinks they, they are able to like hide it from everybody. And it's like to everyone around them, especially people in recovery, recovering addicts, they, they, they know that shit. You can't bullshit a bullshitter. So, um, finally, like one of his coworkers had, had mentioned like, oh, we saw Ryan drinking on the job and. So that was another red flag, and um, you know, I checked in on him one day. Uh, I'd been, I was like on Facebook Messenger or something, and I was basically like, "Hey, what's up, man?" And he finally had come clean to me and admitted, like, "Oh man, I'm I'm pretty dope sick right now." And uh, yeah, I, we had a very long talk, and I gave him a lot of words and encouragement, and told him like, "Look, you have so much fucking potential. Like, you're you you're really fucking smart." You're a really fucking good looking guy. And like, you know, 
you have all this potential in the world. Don't squander it away. Like, you know, I, I see you doing great things in life. You just like you and I both know we can't like we, we you you know what is required of you to maintain your sobriety, basically, you know. So um, uh, I had given him a bunch of like detox like like at home detox wean tips because it's like i was like i'd perfected the art of the wean i knew i was like you know you could like you he had he had bought a bunch of kratom and i told him everything i did like that uh helped me uh get through a successful detox at home and and i'm pretty sure he has done that and he's doing much better now um but uh that's kind of where we are at today and basically um you know we have the same sponsor and i don't think he's calling our sponsor i i don't see him at meetings and i i and i don't know if he's just white knuckling it to his next relapse but uh you know if anyone out there has been wondering like you know oh like an unk constantly talks about his co-host and this and that but we never see or hear from him well I mean that's basically the reason why and I'm not saying all this to to gossip or 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 blow up his spot but it's like you know at the time back then he had made a commitment to being a co-host with me and um and he's just struggling right now so um I I just think it's probably not best for him to just be worried about this stupid podcast he needs to worry about saving his own fucking life and uh, and I and I don't have any resentments for for Ryan for relapsing, you know. Like I love Ryan like a brother, and I always will. If anything, I'm worried about him, and um, I just want him to get uh, the help he needs. And you know, uh, and he, only he really knows what he needs to do um, to to get there and and get back on the horse or get on the right path. And um, and and do you know and be clean because you know him and I are both fucking horrible addicts and when we started abusing drugs basically uh you know like our lives become unmanageable and it's like that sounds so cliche but it's true you know and um I I think a part of them had a resentment like you know like why can't I drink alcohol like my problem was with heroin and meth or or whatever and um he he probably was you know he had he he got a little you know lazy with going to meetings and then I think he got stuck in his own head and um, spread himself too thin whether it was you know going to the gym or taking too many classes at college and you know working so hard at his job he put all these things uh, before his recovery and then he was stuck in his head and stressed out and uh, I think he had told a, a mutual friend like oh man I'm stressed out about finals and I think I, I'm going to go buy some meth and uh, said friend, um, which is Catherine, um, shout out Catherine, um, you know, I love you, you're, you're my best friend, um, she had shown me a screenshot of, of said message of him saying that and I was just like, fuck, he's probably, probably already high, you know, and so like, again, I'm not saying this to, to gossip, I just thought, you know, um, I just don't know if he will be coming back on the podcast anytime soon he he needs to focus on himself and focus on on getting uh back in a good mental state or emotional state and um and and picking all back all the tools he had learned before you know it seems like you know anytime i'm doing 
good, he's in a, in a deep relapse. And every time he's doing good, I'm in a deep re relapse. And it's like the tables just turn for us. Whereas like one of us is clean and, and doing good and the other one's struggling. And then, then the other one gets clean and then the other one you know relapses and struggles. And it's just been pretty crazy how it's worked out since we started uploading episodes of, of Nod Squad. And, um, and you know... And they, we, you know, him and I mentioned it in this phone interview, but I f still feel a lot of survivor's guilt for, you know, um, uh, triggering him that one day uh, while we were in drug court and, uh, you know, pressuring him to get drugs with me. And at the time I thought, hey, he could probably put it down just like me. He's doing better than anyone in drug court. And uh, I underestimated his addiction. I underestimated my own addiction. And I will, uh, for the rest of my life, feel shame and guilt for for doing that and um and I feel like a real piece of shit for doing that and um and I and uh, yeah I just feel bad I got a vape fuck hold on guys uh. <clears throat> so anyway that's where we're at now and um I need to try and get back in contact with him and and see how he's doing uh from what i've heard and from what i've been told by friends he's doing much better but he's still like just out there and i mean i honestly think he should go into sober living like my what my plan is and uh that's up to him whether he's willing to make that commitment or not or accept that he needs help outside of himself um so you know i, I can't it wouldn't like like it's crazy because since getting clean, I've not only seen the stress and pain that I've caused, you know, my, my friends and family and loved ones, but now I also see how I feel the receiving end of that through seeing him go through what he's been going through. And, uh, you know, I've been trying to get him on the podcast and that's kind of selfish of me, I realize. Um, and he hasn't sound, he is, when, when I'm trying to get a good read on him, he's never sounded that, uh, you know, that motivator or, or enthusiastic to, to come back on the podcast. He's probably feeling a lot of shame and guilt himself. So, um, that's why we haven't seen much of Ryan. I'm going to upload a lot of older episodes that me and him have done, um, over time. Uh, I may not be ready to do those ones just yet, they're a lot more happy and cheerful. And, you know, like a lot of the the more recent episodes we've done are very hilarious from what I've been told when I get feedback from listeners and, and friends and fans. Um, and this is a much more serious episode, um, hence why I'm sounding much more serious about it. Because I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not kind of, I'm worried about my friend, you know. Uh, and I'm scared that he may relapse again. And I'm scared that he may die, you know, like... I've lost so many friends to fucking, um, to drugs and more specifically heroin, heroin or fentanyl laced heroin. You know, it seems like on average, I, I lose about three friends every year to overdose. And it's always, it seems coincidentally always during like the holiday season. And, um, I don't know why that is, uh, that so many people go out during the holidays, but, uh, it's hard. It's hard having to bury your friends, you know, and um, I don't know, man. So I just I guess this inter this intro has gone on long enough. I'm going to get into the fucking recording 
And it, and it's a really fucking long phone interview. So what I will most likely do is split this into two parts, uh, part one and part two. So, you know, my apologies if this episode is kind of a cliffhanger, but then, you know, next uh, release date, which will probably be the next following Friday, you'll get the, the second half or second portion of this, uh, of this episode. So um, with that, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, segue you all into this phone interview. I think it's a very insightful um, look at what it's like being under the fear and pressure of drug court and, you know, maxing out on a sentence because a lot of people that are in drug court, they, a lot of them are facing, you know, three to five years or maybe even more. You know, it's a serious drug program for serious offenders. A lot of, you know, people I had met in drug court were getting, you know, hit with sales charges and they were drug dealers. And it's like, I had mentioned it even to my uh, drug court probation officer at the time. It's like, I, I, before I went into drug court, I had very little drug connects. And then, you know, after being exposed to your drug program, I now have more drug connections than I've ever had in my life because I'm just immersed with all these people who have connections and people who are, you know, court ordered and not completely 100% serious about getting or staying clean. You know, they're just doing it to kind of expunge their criminal record or, or appease the judge or, you know, it's called, they call it the nudge from the judge. But, and so honestly, I mean, uh, I think drug court is, is kind of bullshit in that aspect and regard. And, and there's a lot of good people and, and counselors trying to rug that, like run that program. But I think it's kind of a failing system you know, going about it that way. That's just my opinion. It's not, that's not to say I'm, I'm like dislike these people. They're good people with good intentions. I just think the way it's built is just not uh, built for success. You know, the fallout and failure rate for, for those programs are incredibly high. Most people don't make it through drug court. A lot of them get kicked out, max out and have to do their original jail sentence anyway. Um, and that's just my opinion, and that doesn't mean. And when I say that, I'm not saying like, oh, I don't like these counselors or anything. They're good people, and and you know, uh, one th- other last thing I wanna I wanna mention is that you know, in this recording, me and Ryan kind of talked down on the program and talked down on our drug counselors because at that time we had built up a lot of res- uh, resentments towards them for how they were were treating us, and uh, that I just wanna you know, clarify, you know, in hindsight, and since I've done all this growing and changing, I realized that was wrong. And that, um, and that, and, you know, I I mean, I was speaking in the moment and speaking from the heart and wearing my heart on my sleeve and expressing my emotions at that time. But now I had come to realize, you know, I don't feel that way anymore. And, uh, if my counselors ever listen to this, or if anyone ever listens to that, this recording and relays this episode to, to them. It's just like, I want them to know, like, yeah, at the time I had it built up a lot of resentment and, um, and I expressed those resentments in, in not the best or most professional of ways. So I want to apologize for that. I mean, I'm even planning on making my step nine amends to those counselors and saying, you know, I handled the situation wrong and, and I'm, and I apologize and I'm, you know, working on being a better person now. Uh, and that's all I got for you guys. Um, I'm with that. I'm going to, I'm going to get into this, uh, this recording. Um, I, I hope you're all doing good out there. Um, and you know, I, I've been getting a lot of great feedback from you guys. So thank you for that. Um, you know, you're the, the you're all of your, 
uh, positive words uh, and words of encouragement and, and positive feedback. It, it is fueling my motivation to keep this whole, you know, thing going for you and keep releasing content for you all. Um, but also, you know, not every episode can be happy and silly and funny because sometimes it gets it gets dark and it gets serious and it gets sad, you know, and this is one of those episodes. So a major trigger warning uh, I want to throw out there for you guys. And if you're heavily triggered, I, I highly advise you don't listen to this uh, podcast. But with that, um, I love you all out there. If you're struggling, you can always reach out to me. Uh, email would be the best. Nodsquadpodcast at gmail.com. You know, I have limited internet access because uh, I'm not allowed to phone at, at rehab. So I got to, you know, ride my little beach cruiser down to the library and get on their shitty computers to to reply so it may take me a while but i always will do my best to stay on top of that so you know stay safe safe stay safe stay strong and peace love all the above What's up? You are live on the air. Are you? Is your phone plugged in and charging? It's plugged in and charging, but my. But oh wait, hold on. Let me see. Twenty-one <laughs> percent. Yeah, I should probably keep it charging for a minute. Yeah. So, anyways, are we uh, recording? We're, we're live. Why don't you say hello? viewer audience out there who misses you so much. Hey, what's up, Nod Squad? Um, I, I have to say, it's been a long time coming for this uh, episode, or in, any episode for that matter. Uh, just uh, some things have happened in the most recent past for me that has brought me back into a state of mind where uh, I, I feel like recording again, and I have the motivation and drive to, to speak on things that are presently occurring in my life that uh, I think uh, a lot of us can relate to on some level, whether you be in in a drug court program or, or any court-ordered bro program, you know. Or just being an addict just, in general. Uh, maybe, maybe you're curious and you're an outsider looking in on the life of a drug addict and criminal. <laughs> a criminal. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'm not a criminal by my own standards, but definitely... Uh, from the yeah, from the judicial that. standpoint, they will label you a criminal, whether that be right or wrong. They they will do it. Um, so this yeah, is a the only reason. The only way that they get away with pulling the shit on me is because they've labeled me a criminal, and without that label, uh, they they don't have any fucking ground to stand on in regards to controlling my life and you know basically profiting off of my misfortune. So that's I crazy. I mean, that's really, I think that's what this episode it, it should really be centered around 
as a whole because honestly, man, like uh, it's, it's a court ordered program, and so you know you, you get into you go to a residential rehab or a fucking detox center because you know you have a problem and you want to get clean or get some help, and so you choose to go and you go and you get your help, and that's that. But if you get court ordered anything, a drug program, community service, to prison or to jail, it's always because you've broken some law and they are now using whatever sentence they give you as a form of punishment to, you know, you know, well, what they would like us to believe is that it's to correct us and to, to lead us, uh, you know, away from living the life that, that caused us to break the law and, and you know, not follow their rules anymore. But in all reality, man, like, it's all about fucking making money, dude. And I it's think, all about making money. I think, yeah, it's about that. And I think when you... Recovery has to be on your own terms. It cannot be on a forced, forced term. When you're forcing someone to get clean and they don't necessarily want to, or if they run a program where you are so limited in freedom and they try to to attempt to control every aspect of your life or put you down or keep you down, you're going to want to defy it and rebel against it. And and using or relapsing at that point is not even about getting high as much as it is, like you said to me over the phone the other day, is taking back your freedom, you know? You know, you just made a really good point, dude, because, like, okay, back in 2016... After I had been arrested several times uh, for for simple drug possession and uh, possession of paraphernalia, every time, that's all I was getting arrested for. And the reason that I had to go to jail as opposed to just getting a citation um, was because I was already on probation for previous offenses, which were also drug possession and paraphernalia. And so, you know, in California, after state, uh, or I mean, Prop Forty Seven passed all the uh, drug possession felonies went out the window. So as long as you had a personal amount of anything, it wasn't a felony. Yeah. And so in most cases, uh, they just cite you out and release you right there on the spot, or they maybe take you to jail and cite you out there, and then you get to leave, you know, within an hour or so. But for me, I was on probation, and so I automatically got violated and had to do a little bit of time each time, and then they would add a few days on every time I got arrested. So, you know, at that point, my life was already in shambles. I was totally strung out on meth, heroin, and really anything that was in front of me, but those were the two that I would pursue. And um, once I went to jail, uh, the third or fourth time, I was like, you know what, man, there's got to be a better life out there for me. So I made a decision to get clean, and uh, I realized that I it wasn't just that easy, though. I had to get, I had to have some accountability, and I had to have something... Uh, powerful enough to prevent me from giving into those urges initially, and um, I've done rehab before, and honestly, it's it works uh, for the most part, but it removes me from society too much. And so when I get home, um, and the, you know the, I'm back into my old lifestyle, it's too hard to say no because I never learned how to be clean around drugs. I just learned how to be clean in the safe environment. Oh yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So, like, I went to the judge. I volunteered. I, I put myself on calendar in court. I went in front of a judge, and I asked her 
to put me in the same program that they put felons in that have drug charges because I knew that drug court uh, would be uh, would have enough uh, accountability and would be strict enough to uh, you know scare me enough to keep to, to at least make an honest attempt to stay clean in my first few months of, of sobriety and it did it worked and that whole time uh, the whole year that I was in drug court originally it went very smooth for me because I wanted to be there so I was willing to follow any rule that they set for me <clears throat> and when when things got hard I just simply uh, you know accepted it and and continued going on with with whatever they told me because it was working and I had never been able to stay clean longer than a week out there on the streets so for me it was amazing and you know I, I started off totally homeless no car no job no money and over the span of that year I managed to you know get myself a couple of jobs and save up some money then I managed to buy myself a car like all on my own with no help and then I found myself a couple of better jobs that paid me a good amount of money and I you know obviously wasn't homeless anymore and I ended up renting a room in a nice house in a nice neighborhood in a really nice town and so my whole life completely turned around and got better but that's because I was willing to put in the effort to, to make those things happen um, you know and, and I realized that staying clean was part of the deal exactly but, yeah, and so drug court, you know, and I watched my my brothers and sisters in, in drug court, like, fall left and right, you know, people oh, were yeah. re relapsing all around me all the time, and people were getting in all kinds of trouble for dumb shit, and honestly, for the most part, I'd, I'd watch this all happen around me, and I'd just think to myself, like, man, why is it so easy for me, you know, these people are dumb as fuck if they can't seem to get this program, you know, and, and like, work it to, you know, at least, at least a little better than they are. But the whole thing is that those people got sentenced to drug court. So they were taken from a situation that they, I mean, obviously nobody wants to be in jail, but they were all living the life they wanted to live. You know, they were all getting high before they went to jail. And so when they went to jail and they told them, oh, you can leave jail if you just do this program, of course they're going to say yes to it. Once they got in the program, though, and they realized what it entails, they, they were like, oh, this is fucking bullshit. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, uh, what is it, fucking, you know, do all the shit that they're telling me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So they start fighting the system. And, well, what happened to me, man? Like, everything was great and perfect. Holiday season hit. And uh, a little bit of dope came came around. And yeah, let's, I got excited. Let's get yeah, into that. Let's. Do you want to get into the oh, yeah. the uh, story of how this all occurred? Of because I I kind of gave a little leeway intro of of that you're on the run and kind of touched the, scraped the surface a little bit. Yeah, but uh, I kind of said, yeah, Ryan's on the run, um, and we're gonna talk to him about anything he's anything you feel free about talking about. That's fine. Obviously, this this podcast is gonna sit in the in the vault until it's safe for uploading. Um, so it's not like can I can I uh, hold on? Let me let me do a shot while we're doing. So so you, have, you, have you finished your process? Uh, yeah, and it's going to be approximately point three two seconds before I. Oh. oh, do you feel it? Do you feel it? <sighs> Dude. <laughs> oh, you crazy. That is, 
Absolutely lovely. Oh my god, dude. I apologize. Oh god, I apologize, oh. Nod Squad listeners. This if this triggers you, please turn tune in to another episode. Ryan is That's even better. What? Is that I'm having uh yeah, I'm enjoying a nice glass of Chianti, which I haven't <laughs> had an alcoholic beverage Chianti, that's from like Silence of the Lambs. Here. That's like Silence of the Lambs. Didn't that guy drink Chianti's I like? Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, Ryan. So now that you've done your issue, should we track back and talk about what led you to where you are right now? Yeah. So basically, I'm gonna try to keep it short and concise, yet yet full of uh, just yeah, full tidbits. Of, of I would, I would say, I would say that it would, it's all started when you and I were preparing for Thanksgiving vacation, wouldn't you? Okay, so I can, I can, uh, I can mention that you are a part of this because we're going to... Yeah, I, I already admitted to our viewers that you and I have both relapsed a few times, but that what I, what I mentioned was that I've been getting away with it while you have been not getting away with it, so to speak. I know, but okay, let me ask you this before we get into the story. Uh, when you were using, at what point, was there a point in your use, because you went for like weeks at a time, was there a point during your use that you knew inside your soul uh, that there, you're like, I, I, if I keep rolling the dice, I know this is going to come back and bite me in the ass. Or were you just like, oh, I can get away with it. I can get away with it the no, whole time. I, 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 I kind of knew from day one that it was going to be uh, my downfall. But then, then I got so. At first, it, it began with uh, like you know, responsible. Like I had a healthy amount of fear. And uh, stress associated with uh, with my program and the risks that I was taking. And so each and every time I used that first week, I kept it at a, uh, an extreme minimum, yeah. which was difficult to, to do in and of itself simply because, you know, I got that first time I used after being clean for a year was just absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> Seeing as I had no tolerance, I couldn't uh, safely, you know, use as much as I preferred to. Yeah. So I got the rush, but I knew that uh, I, I, that a, a much greater, far more intense, pleasurable high was in store for me as long as I could, uh, you know, use again. But I... You know, I still, the second, third time that I used, I, A, was afraid of overdosing, so I kept it at a very low dosage. Yeah. And B, I was, uh, you know, pretty concerned about being drug tested. So yeah. So I knew that I had to stop uh, at some point to give myself some time to clean out. Exactly. But, but see, like me being in phase four, I knew, and being on uh, white, yeah. yeah, white only tests. I believe white only tests, or white tests uh, three to four times a month. They sometimes only do it three times a month. Other times they do four. Yeah, I believe chocolates five to six, peaches four to five, and white is three mm-hmm. to four, is what it is. Three to four. Yeah. Yep. 
And so, let's see, it was the end of November. Yeah, okay, and so. I had, kept, I had kept track of how many times I had already tested on white. And I had already tested twice. So and let's let's take it back. Basically, what? what happened was you and I were working, and I had mentioned, "Hey, Thanksgiving vacation's coming I'm, I'm up." Getting that. Oh, I'm you were getting that. okay. Okay. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Keep going. Okay. So basically, yeah, we were working, and I we were talking about it, and I was like, "Dude, Thanksgiving vacation's coming up, and it lies. Thanksgiving is on a Thursday, so we're gonna get Thursday." off of drug and alcohol, no, no testing, no class. And I knew that Friday wasn't going to test either because I looked at the front of the door of the building and it said Thursday and Friday, we will be closed. So I was like, Oh, Thursday, no testing Friday, no testing and Saturday and Sunday, no testing. So I knew there'd be four solid days of no testing guaranteed. So that if I used on a Wednesday, I could flush for three, for four solid days and be clean by Monday. So my, thinking was, okay, I will use on, I'll call Wednesday. If they don't call my color, I am definitely going to use. And then that whole day I will have a great time and then I will put it down and stop and flush. And that's exactly what I did. I, um, cause I was on peach and you were on white. So I was like, okay, I called on Wednesday. Oh, and before that, I had called a mutual friend of yours and mine who will remain nameless for you know, uh, confidentiality and legal purposes. And, um, I was like hitting her up, like sell me some, uh, black tar and sell me some crystal. And, um, after we had both gotten off of work, she had called me back and was like, yeah, I'm going to be in San Luis. How much do you want? And I told her how much I wanted. And I told you and you're like, I want some too. And we both bought the same amount. I believe we bought, we each bought a 60 of black and a 40 of, of white. And so, so this is this is what is important for me to chat about because uh, this whole uh, leading up until this day, my entire year prior was uh, consumed with uh, you know uh, I got out of jail and came into drug court totally broken and and disheveled and hopeless and so I was dying for an answer to my problem and once you know. I realized, like, oh, cool, staying clean and being sober isn't uh, as bad as I thought it would be. In fact, it's pretty fucking nice. I literally, somehow, I, I basically cured myself of, like, my drug addiction, um, the, you know, the most that a person possibly can, because I literally, Brian, like, when, when other people would tell me, oh, dude, I'm craving dope, or I'm triggered right now, like, I didn't ever have a problem with any of that. Like, very rarely did I ever think about, like, actually wanting to use. I mean, I thought about drugs all the time because I would think about, like, you know, the, the shit I went through in my past, but, like, it didn't ever, like, dawn on me that, like, I just, I didn't get uh, a physical or mental desire to use. And so, basically, by the time that we got to November, that way of thinking was so ingrained in my mind that I didn't even think about drugs anymore and, uh, like, the fear or, like, the possibility of me relapsing was not even a possibility. Like, in my mind, it wasn't, it just, it wasn't even in my mind. I didn't think about those things at all. And so, that day hit, you know, Monday came and I tested white, and it was like, I didn't think about drug use then. I didn't, you know, I was far beyond the point of, like, thinking on, like, oh, 
you know, we just tested today. I could probably get away with something because I wasn't even trying to get away with stuff. Like, you know, you said that I was like the goody goody and you were the bad boy uh, <laughs> uh, early on in the podcast. Well, that's because that that is what it like what it was. Like, I really was. Like, I had been. I don't want to say brainwashed, but yeah, dude. Like, I got. I turned into this like law abiding, law loving. You know, fucking. Uh, uh, poster child of the court ordered drug treatment of you know they even uh, called their, you they even uh, they, they even right? called you they even called you so the poster then, boy they called right. you the, they literally nicknamed you the poster boy of drug court yeah <laughs> so this whole time like that's who I was like it, it, like I even believed it and then one day just I woke up dude it was a morning like any other. I went to the gym. Sun was shining. I was healthy. I was drinking my kale shakes and eating my salad and tuna. And, and I go to work and I'm drinking my cappuccino. And everything is normal. Everything is good. My life is on a steady forward progression. And there you are, doing your dishes, talking the bullshit you always talk, making me laugh, you know, <laughs> saying crazy shit about... Your, your latest fucking sexual escapade with oh, dude. people that, you know, yeah. will never be the same after uh, meeting you. <laughs> and then, next thing you know, I'm ready to go home and call it a night. And I'm thinking about, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. You know, I've got money in the bank. I got shit. I got, I had like $150 cash in my pocket from the tips from the night before. Oh, yeah. And, oh, I'm about to be graduating this fucking drug program I'm in. What's up? Life is good. And then here you come, dude, with your phone in your fucking hand, and you're just like, hey, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'll cut out that name. But yeah. Yeah, so you're like, Sugar Lumpkins is uh, is coming to town. And I'm like, what? So wait, is there a part of you that blames me for um, corrupting you in any kind oh, of I way? I blame you for everything. Everything's your fault. <laughs> no, on a serious, on a serious note, like because I do feel no. bad. I feel bad about uh, even mentioning that to you. Um, well, uh, I don't, I don't blame you for it, but I will say this: um, had you never come to me that night and said that, then this wouldn't be occurring right now in my life. I would be well on my way to uh, freedom and sunshine. 
Well, I do feel bad about it, and I don't think that will ever change. I think I'll always feel bad about even mentioning that to you. Uh, I do have what's called survivor's guilt, um, and I've had it ever since that happened. Because honestly, I, I didn't know anything about your addiction at all. Because I've, I've known, because even when I was in prop, I would do the same thing. I would, I would, if I knew I had a few days, I would do some and I would always put it down and stop and flush. And, uh, I, I was very confident in my ability to do that. And, uh, after seeing you succeed as well as you have, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I ignorantly assumed because of how strong of a person you had become, you know, Ryan will be able to do the same thing as me and he will be able to do some and then put it down. And, um, I underestimated your addiction, um, the same way I've, you know, underestimated a lot of people's addictions. Cause basically what I've been doing is I, I've, you know, I've relapsed a few times as well. And what I would do is I would use on a Friday or whatever, whatever time frame I knew I had, like, like for Thanksgiving, for example, I, I did goofballs all day that Wednesday. I just, I did more goofballs than I can even count. And then, you know, I did my last goofball like at one in the morning and then I stopped all day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I stopped and I flushed and, uh, you know, was able to pass all my tests. And I've been doing that at least four or five times where I would like, oh, three-day weekend's coming up for Christmas. I'll get high on a Friday, flush for Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday I'll be good. And I even did that, you know, on days when we had testing on Monday and I did a cotton rinse and tested on Monday and I passed. And I did that with this Martin Luther King day, I was like, Oh, you know, I, I would go to the front counter with, and with the office lady and be like, Oh, are you guys going to be open on Monday? And like, no, everything's closed on Monday. And I was like, okay, three day weekend right after court, I'd go to my, uh, undisclosed location, pull out my stash and I would do a ish and then, you know, flush for the days. So I, I honestly didn't know. I didn't, I thought you would, do the same thing. And I was, I was very mistaken and I do apologize, uh, you know, for, yeah, you for, didn't realize how much of a monster I am. I did. I did not. I did not. But anyway, so it's a Monday and, uh, you have your, your substances and you call and white tests and you go and test and, and mind you, we still have testing for another two days. So I, I knew you were sh- you're using, but I couldn't use until Wednesday because I didn't want to use on a Monday and then have my color called. Um, just because did they call your color on Tuesday or Wednesday? They did not. So I knew they were going to test on Monday. Um, yeah. And, uh, but, I, but I was like, dude, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that's four solid days. Even more than four solid days, I'll have plenty of time to flush. So... Mm-hmm. I, I like you saw me I all day Wednesday, I went hard and then I just, I stopped because the fear is super ingrained. Like I'm still flooded with fear of, of getting it dirty, but you tested on Monday and you, right after you tested, you cooked up a fat shot and you used, and then, um, why don't you take it from there from what happened from that Monday? Oh, well, no, I got to talk about Thanksgiving because you 
you and Paris for Thanksgiving. Well, you're talking about that, that Monday, yeah. Yeah, the right. Monday, <laughs> the week of Thanksgiving. We're the same day. Yeah. Um, so, so they, they called my, my color, and I couldn't have been happier because I knew that that meant that I had a week of freedom. And uh, my all my old uh, ideas of, oh, you know, I don't need dope to be happy or this or that, like, I'm never going to use again, that all went out the window. So then I just realized, oh, man, this shit is fucking awesome when, when your life is, is going good, you know? It's like, I didn't need it for fun, it just enhanced it, you know? Yeah. So, Monday I test, and uh, I lived right down the street, you know, literally like three blocks away, and I can't tell you how far that felt when I, when I was driving home. I was so excited to get home. So I get home, and uh, I did it, and it was very romantic, it was very intimate. I put on the, some of the best heroin music I could find on Spotify. And um, I can't remember the band or the group, but it was uh, it was just perfect, you know? Yeah. And I sat in my room and closed the blinds and just let a little bit of sunlight through. Got it all ready in the spoon. Got it all, you know. And I, I could smell it, and I hadn't smelled that smell in a long time. That vinegary smell. And uh, the first time I, I saw Red Hiroshima again... Uh, oh, Red Hiroshima. I appreciated it for a moment before I, you know, put the plunger down. Yeah. And then uh, I put the plunger down, and, and, like, when I use, I usually keep my belt really tight on my arm until after it's all in me, and then I release the belt. Me too. So, until I release the belt, usually it won't hit me. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I fucking, I sat down on the bed and then released the belt, and then I just, like, let myself fall back on my back and... I just remember staring at my ceiling as, as the, uh, as I, yeah, as I got that warm hug from the devil. <clears throat> I knew I was in trouble at that point because it was like, it was like I had just gotten married, but then, uh, like, my first love came back into my life and, and wanted to fuck, you know, day after day, and I just knew I wasn't going to be able to fucking, you know, provide my new wife with the, with the appropriate amount of time because I was gonna, you know, be cheating on her with my old love, and that's precisely what the whole experience was like for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so, so the week goes on, right? So, like, here's the thing with me: like, it's not that I can't just put it down and stop, uh, you know, and flush and, and get clean. It's that I don't stop because once I get high, I realize like I don't give a fuck about drug court. I don't give a fuck about all of their fucking rules and the oppression and it's the only time that I that I'm able to like overcome all of the fear that they instill in us day after day yeah and look at the, my situation more objectively and because I'm because I'm no longer afraid of the rules and the regulations I start, I start picking out all the bullshit, and then, you know, I'm, of course, like, I'm high, and so I may not be thinking completely rational, but at the same time, like, I'm able to explore ways of thinking that I wasn't able to do when I was clean and sober, because I was clean and sober while simultaneously brainwashed with their fucking cult-like mentality, and I realized that, like, they don't... <clears throat> get to fucking decide what my sobriety is supposed to look like. They don't get to 
determine who I am or am not on or off drugs. And they sure as hell don't get to fucking uh, uh, control my uh, my emotional state in life uh, when, you know, by using their fucking fear tactics to, you know, to take a perfectly uh, honest mistake and turn it into, the, like, you know, a fucking criminal act or, you know, such as, uh, let's see, uh, missing a group, showing up to group late, or, you know, accidentally drinking too much water before a drug test and getting a delete. These are all things that, like, drug addicts and non-drug addicts alike will, you know, do, you know. Yeah. Not, nobody's perfect. But because I'm a drug addict, suddenly me showing up to group late automatically means that I need to be punished as a criminal is punished, you know, which is completely backwards to me. But when I'm, when I'm clean and sober and, you know, I'm trying to fucking just get through my day-to-day life without, you know, without feeling like I need to, to discover a new crutch to lean on, you know, I'm trying to be a, a big boy and, and handle shit on my own. You know, all of their fear tactics are really effective because, honestly, like, my freedom and my comfort in life is hinged on their, like, their fucking, uh, whatever they want to do, you know? So, so this is all flowing through your mind right after you get loaded. Yes, basically, uh, to, to shorten it up, make it simple... All of a sudden, it dawned on me that, like, I was just like, fuck them, fuck this. So, at the same time, though, I wasn't completely, like, ready to just give up on the program and, and, you know, you know, fucking throw away all the time that I had spent in there. But I had decided at that point that, like, okay, it's no longer uh, their time to, like, you know, control everything I do. Like, I'm going to take back some of the power. And there was something that I had been wanting to do since like my third or fourth month in, you know, because honestly, dude, like I got, I had two jobs and I was, you know, fucking showing up to all of their events. I was, you know, testing clean for all of their drug tests and, and doing everything perfect. And yet I still never felt like I could trust them to uh, have my back in any situation where I might really need some help. You know, if I really came to them and was like, dude, I, uh, you know, I had a run-in with the cops yesterday, and you know, nothing happened. But I, uh, I kind of, I kind of talked back to the cop, you know, and I'm just, uh, I feel bad about it. Like, I couldn't trust them not to go and tell probation, and then have the judge remand me for, for you know, I don't know, disrespecting a, an officer of the law. Yeah, so definitely. That started to really irritate me, and I felt like, you know, I'm doing everything they want, and yet they're not giving me any love in return. So. Basically, I decided that I was going to do the one thing that they're doing to us, which is manipulate and, you know, control my, or their, their reaction, or I don't know, here, I'm sorry, I'm I'm digressing because I'm high. Um, (laughs) No, it's all good. 
Yeah. Basically, they took away everything from me. They took away my freedom and all of my control over my life. Basically, you you had this buildup of frustration with how they you see them treat like you saw how they treated me, and we, we can get into that way down the road because this episode's about you mainly. But you you reflected on all the frustration that was hidden deep inside of your subconscious. And you, and by doing that issue and getting high again, all those emotions were let out in you. And at that point, getting high was almost like a revolutionary, rebellious, defiant middle finger towards the program. And, and by then, and not only that, you, you unleashed the dragon again and so basically after that one shot and not only that i also think it was the pressure of you having to maintain your work performance because you were working 7 days a week you know thanksgiving was coming up and you were going to have like what 500 people at at the one restaurant you were working at so you you felt also a need to to keep up with all of that like you had been before and you felt like the need to get high to to maintain all that so let's progress through the story. So you get high that one day, and you got high that entire week, correct? Yes, which wasn't my intention. I knew that I was safe um, up until Wednesday, and then I knew by Wednesday I had to put a, put a stop to it. So that way, you know, come Monday, if they called my car again, I would be fine. So that's where the problem, that, that's where I started to have problems with the situation, because by Wednesday, I had had enough time to like think about the program and all my frustrations towards it, and also, you know, develop a new affinity for the drugs I was on. To where uh, I was like, man, okay, I know I got to stop and test clean, but fuck them, you know, like I'm, I don't want to just stop, you know, now, like I'm not ready to. So, you know, that's definitely my addiction, like tricking me into believing, you know, like rationalizing things and whatnot. But the next day was Thanksgiving, and yeah, at that restaurant, there was going to be, there's 670 reservations on the Oh, bus. my God. And I had to go in at 9 o'clock in the morning, and I didn't leave until 8 o'clock at night. Fuck. And I had, I did not get a single break. Oh, my God. And I was, I was, uh... Well, here's the... Okay, so let's back up a little bit. Wednesday came, right? Now, I'm also on testosterone replacement therapy. Yeah. Testosterone makes me... Occasionally will give me... uh, Will cause me to break out with a lot of acne on my face. Okay. Now, usually the acne... uh, They're usually like cystic zits where they're like really deep under the skin. Okay. The kind that you're not supposed to pop ever. Yeah. Okay, and they like... They, like, sit there for, like, five days before they ever turn into a whitehead, but they just hurt, and they're just, like, really fucking painful. Of course. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I, I did, I'd done my injection for that on Sunday, and then I started using, and those drugs also seep out to your pores. Oh, yeah. And so, I, I broke out pretty bad, but it didn't look bad. Okay, it didn't, it didn't look anything more than just a few, like, little zits on my face, because the cystic zits, cystic zits hurt, but they're really deep, so they're really not that noticeable, but they, they feel, it feels like they are. Okay. Well, I was already high, and so I started fucking popping these things, dude, and I mean, 
fuck. I sat there and I used every ounce of strength in my fingers to just squeeze the living shit out of these fucking zits, man. And they were far from ready to pop. So all that I really ended up doing was bruising, causing my face to bruise around the zits. Uh, the zits didn't pop, but what they did do is they raised to the surface a bit, so they became more noticeable. Plus, they became all red and inflamed because I had irritated and, like, damaged the, the fuck out of them. Yeah. Okay, and there's not just one or two zits I'm talking about. I'm talking about my whole fucking face. Yeah. And and the ones that did pop, they were, like, they, it was, like, chemical fucking... It was like a chemical pool on my face. Like anywhere that they opened up, it was like the chemicals like gathered in that in that open scab and then just like festered and then caused it to, you know, open and you know, even more. Oh yeah. And become even like, and scab like, and everything. Night, they'd go from the head of a pencil to like the eraser and it was just like an open scab, you know. And so I had you know, basically fifteen of these, you know sores. Uh, you know, fucking spots all over my face whether they were open scabs or just like big red bruised lumps yeah and that was all in the span of one night the day before when I went to work I had immaculate skin and I looked great Thanksgiving morning I woke up and I looked in the mirror and I saw a fucking demon <laughs> and I was so ashamed and so disgusted with the way I looked that uh I automatically grabbed some, some fucking women's, like, powdered fucking makeup, cover-up, whatever you call it. Yeah. And, uh... Foundation or whatever. Made, made, uh, made a horrible attempt at, at uh, kind of buffering the, uh, the unsightliness of these zits, which the cover-up did work. It, 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 for the most part, took away the redness. But the problem is that you can't put any kind of powder on a fucking open scab because it's just going to clump up. Yeah. And it's not going to work. But I did that anyways. Plus, I don't know how to blend. I'm not a fucking woman. You know, like, <laughs> you're supposed to have brushes and, like, multiple fucking foundations yeah. and shit to really blend it in to where you can't tell that you're wearing it. I just simply put my finger in this powder yeah. and just fucking dabbed it all over the place. So I had, like, off-white marks all over my face. <laughs> oh, my God, not dude. To mention, not to mention I hadn't slept. So my pupils were as big as fucking dinner plates. And yeah. I was sweating profusely. So the makeup was running. It's work. It's nine o'clock in the morning, Thanksgiving. Oh, fuck walk my into, life. into the uh, cafe, and uh, everybody's there. The whole crew. Now we have like a. It's like a Super Bowl fucking weekend, dude. It's the biggest business day of the year for this company. Yeah. So they don't just put us to work, man. They fucking bring us all together in one room, get us all like huddled up, really close to each other, and. They give us like their pep talks, and they're just fucking. And there's the air, the tension in the room is pretty fucking thick because we all know that we have a fucking huge day in front of us, and like, not a single mistake can be made, you know. And, and everybody's got to be on their A game. So I'm standing there, and I'm the only buster uh, for the first six hours of the shift. So my job is pretty fucking important. And I better be on, you know, they expected me to eat my Wheaties and, and be on top of my shit that morning. So when my manager's sitting there giving us all the fucking, you know, the, the big pep talk, the, come on, you guys, we're going to fucking get it, you know. we got to fucking, you know, take charge and just own the day. Then he's scanning the room, looking at everybody, and then he passes me with his eyes. 
and I saw that his eyes like his eyes fucking changed when he when he laid sight like of my face, dude. Oh, his fucking fuck. eyes got like wide, and then kind of like scared, and then like angry, and then confused all at the same time. Oh my god! Because I was dripping sweat. I was paranoid. So like when he looked at me, I looked at him back, and I probably looked like a hyena, you know, staring down a lion. And uh, oh, fuck. he held eye contact with me longer than anybody else in that room. And he was talking. He was. He kept talking to everybody but he was looking dead at me and like I could almost read his thoughts which were basically what the fuck is wrong with Ryan oh my god I have to I have to say something to him god damn it he's the only fucking buster here I can't do shit he's gonna have to fucking pull through it and so he just he just kept talking he never said nothing to me but I could tell dude he fucking knew something was wrong because I, was, I wasn't even moving yet, and I was dripping sweat, dude. Like, dripping. So then the day started, and I was hustling. But, dude, like, sweat and makeup, bad mix, bro. That <laughs> shit, I, I probably looked so fucking ridiculous at the end of the day that I, I didn't even look in the mirror when I got home. Like, I refused to. I just took a shower and then went to sleep. But that was Thursday, okay? Things didn't get any better after that. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, kept picking at the face, kept using. At this point, I was just using because I was so ashamed and, like, embarrassed about the way my face was feeling and looking that I used just to, like, numb those feelings. I had pretty much stopped caring altogether about drug court. I was prepared for anything that came my way, like, the next week. But then Monday hit, and they didn't test white. So, like, I got a little bit more hopeful that I might be able to, like, get clean and, like, you know... Wait, me. when did when no. did you stop using? What? When well, did you? I, I stopped using as soon as I ran out, which was like Sunday or Monday. Sunday, because I saw you at work on Sunday and you were still loaded and you were hinting yeah, at me you were still loaded. And I I had been flushing for like four good days by then, and I was just like, holy shit, Ryan, you need to stop. Like, what the fuck? And I was getting worried, you know. I was getting pretty worried about did you. you. See how bad I looked? Did you see how bad I looked? You didn't look as horrible as you probably thought you looked. I mean, you you might have had some scabbing, but the makeup covered up covered it up pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. When I saw you on Sunday, the only thing I was worried about is that you would get uh, tested and get a dirty, and that's what scared me. Because by then, I was I, worried about that too. But I couldn't, man. I couldn't believe they didn't test me the whole that whole next week either. Yeah, they they didn't actually test me a couple days after Monday. So I was like, dude, I have like five. They tested me like the next Wednesday, I think. So I was like, dude, I have a good solid week to get clean. So I was like, all right, I'm good. Because like I said, I used all that Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, and then the Thursday I felt like shit. And then the Friday I did uh, some catering event and um, I actually felt pretty sick, but I pushed through it and then I was definitely not feeling very enthusiastic on Sunday, but I saw you all fucked up and I was like, oh, I was like, fuck, dude. I, I, and I was like, you know, working my ass, I think Sunday, uh, yes, yeah, Friday and Saturday I didn't work or no, 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 Friday Thursday and Friday I didn't work and then Saturday I catered and then Sunday I worked with you and I was like just not I was not feeling very hot but I I pushed through the minor withdrawals I had and got through it uh and you you stopped by Monday and by the time they they didn't test you that whole week I think 
Yeah, no, they didn't. So then you flushed and you got you got a clean I test. Did, I, yeah, I did manage to flush and get a clean test, and then uh, I used right after that test. Oh, was that the next Friday? Because I remember you, we were at work, and I still had some left over is what it was. I think I had some left because I didn't do all of mine. I just did a little bit and I had left over and you were like, hey, let's go get loaded because I had some at my house. So that was the first time you and me used together. Yeah, Yeah, that was was the first time. And we ended up listening to... uh, we listened to Depeche Mode all night. I, I stole my mom's laptop because they were asleep, and we hooked it up to my DJ controller, and I got you into, like, some fucking... That thing is fun, huh? Yeah. And so then we, we stayed up very late, fucking high, listening to Depeche Mode, and you and I just talked the whole night about how frustrated we were with the program. I remember being... You were in my car. You were parked in front of my house, and you had your engine running, and um, we were talking. Hour out there. Oh, hours, hours, and we were just on black. We were even on white. You saw how amped I get on just black alone, and we were just yeah. fucking talking. And then the next day, I had to DJ at the tattoo shop for like twelve hours, and you had stopped because you didn't have anything. And I was or actually you used cocaine with my friend the next day, and I yeah. was like. Dude, I have to DJ for 12 hours, so I took a break and went and did another issue, and um, I was I did two issues, two shots of dope. An issue is basically a shot, for those that don't know. And um, then I was super amped and DJed for the rest of the night, and then I flushed on Sunday, and then Monday hit, and they had called my color, and that's when I called you freaking out, because I knew I would still be dirty. Cause I only I only had a little over twenty four hours of clean time, and I was freaking out. I was I was literally Ryan. I was literally about to take a hammer and smash my toe with a hammer to go to the ER. Oh my god! Like I was like I need wow. to do something. Like I had a hammer in front of my foot, and I was like I don't really think I'm capable of being able to smash my big toe with a hammer. I I or I was gonna like kick because when I was really young I I. I was like playing with like my next door neighbor and I kicked a, tried to kick a pillow and I ended up smashing my toe in the ground and like not fully breaking it, but fracturing my, my big toe, which there's nothing they can do at that point. But so I'm literally standing there with a hammer and, um, because, uh, what also happened is another person in our, um, drug court program, he had gotten high over Thanksgiving. A lot of people in drug court ended up getting high over Thanksgiving weekend, but another friend of ours was shooting up Crystal, and he, to get out of a test, took a razor blade and sliced his hand open intentionally, got four stitches, and, w- and went to the ER. Because what, what people don't know is if the one of the only ways to get out of a test without having to get a sanction for it is if you have an ER visit with medical documentation that you were there, and then you don't have to get in trouble for it. So uh, I kept frantically calling you, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. Are they going to random me the next day? What should I do? And what I ended up doing is I had I, I went to the ER and faked a back injury I I had told them I was working out with you and I had pulled my back out and I ended up walking to the ER pretending like I couldn't like stand up straight and they put me in a wheelchair and, you know, I went into the ER and it's like my back, my back. 
And, uh, and then when they got me back to the doctor, I said, look, I, I get drug tested. I can't take I can't get prescribed any narcotics. I just want to see if my back is injured and, um, and what's wrong with it. I, I pulled it working out. And I, if, if it's serious, I want, I don't want to get prescribed anything, non anything narcotic. So they prescribed me with, I forget what it was. They prescribed me. I never ended up, it, it was like a pain blocker, but it's not, it's a non-narcotic pain blocker. I forget the name of it, um, but I didn't even pick up that prescription, but I had called Corey, left a message and said, look, I'm in the hospital. I, I pulled my back out. I'll, ha- I'll give you medical documentation. And the next day on Tuesday, uh, I called them back and got a hold of them and they said, yeah, that's fine. Just give us the medical documentation. So I did. And I was still sketched out the day frantically calling you like, what if they random me? Uh, when I get there, blah, 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 blah. And thank God I got there on Tuesday and they did not random me and I had gotten away with it. Um, which fuck if I, if I hadn't done that, I would have been in up shit Creek, so to speak. So that was the second time we relapsed. And then, um, what happened after that? I kind of forget what happened after that. But you were paranoid about having cocaine in your system. You were paranoid about having either black or cocaine in your system. So you were probably drinking water and sweating profusely in the sauna at the gym. You went and picked up on your own. What? You went and picked up on your own that third time. Yeah, I went and picked up on my own. I started getting high, and then I didn't think that they were going to test white, like, very soon. So I thought I'd have a few days, but then they ended up testing white, like, right on that Monday. And at that point, it was too late for me to try to flush because I didn't even you, think about you got so, You got high that whole weekend, dirty. right? I had to test dirty. You got high that whole weekend, right? Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah. And then Monday they called White. Mm-hmm. But you had called me and you were like, "What should I do?" And I said, "You you should." I'll, I told you, I told you to fake an ER visit, but you thought it would be suspicious, so you ended up missing the test. Yep, I just missed the test. And that's when. And then I self admitted. And then that's when you self admitted. Um, mm-hmm. Which I really wish you didn't do, but you know. It is what it is. So. Yeah, see, I was still. Uh, no, but then the stress of missing the test, I ended up using that day too. And then. I oh. Started, I kept using my whole week. And uh, I wasn't in the right state of mind. And so I thought self admitting would be better. Because I, I figured by the time. When I got to court on Friday, like trying to explain a delete test and then a missed test right after that would just be too impossible. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So and I didn't realize that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much they suspect me of getting high. If they can't prove it, they can't prove it. True. So I, I would have tested dirty on Friday anyways because I've been using all week. So yeah, it, and so they would have they would have tested you in court most likely. Yeah. So I self-admitting was better. So. So, Friday comes, you go to court, you 
and you've already self-admitted, so you're facing a sanction, and mind you, you were high as fuck in court. Sitting in the box, nodding out. People were definitely noticing, and Angela, Angela was like, he's high. He's, she was like whispering and pointing people like, Ryan's loaded, blah, blah, blah. And Shauna was like, no, he's not, no, he's not. But you were definitely high. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so you, you, you approach the, the podium, you self-admit to ju- the judge, and you get your sanction, what was it, seven days? Or ten? Seven days. Was it Except seven? Seven. And you turn yourself in. How was jail in that first sanction? Um, you weren't in sex offender wing of the jail because they took all the sex offenders and moved them to a better part of the jail for some reason and they put all the general population like me in in uh, in I deck or just like a shitty part of the jail so I had an I was in an eight man cell with uh, about nine to ten guys in it and uh, there was I mean we had a shower and a toilet in there at the very least but Dude, I mean, we were on 24-hour lockdown, so it was fucking boring as fuck, dude. So then you do your sanction. I mean, there's not... Jail is jail. It's boring. There's not much to talk about. Nothing exciting happened in there. And uh, you get released, and you get a ride back to your place. So I got a, I got a ride back from uh, Travis that morning. He picked me up from the jail, and... Uh, when he was, uh, see, when I, when I uh, went into court that morning and knew I was going into jail, I had done a shot, obviously, which is why I was so high, but I, I made sure that I left about a, uh, at least a, another couple shots worth of black in, in a baggie in my room with some new ribs, so that way when I got out of jail, if I, if I wanted to get high, I could. Yeah. So when I was in jail, uh, when I was in jail, I talked to Shauna on the phone, and for some reason, I had this, like, moment of, like, oh, I should do the right thing, and, you know, I should change my life. So I told Sean, I said, hey, man, I got, I left some black in my room at the house. Can you please go uh, get it out of my drawer and throw it away? And she was like, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do that. So then I thought about it after I got off the phone with her, and I was like, fuck, God damn it, she better not do that. I was so mad, because I was like, fuck, I, I shouldn't have said that. And I called her a couple days later, and she goes, you know, Ryan, I'm, uh, kind of a, a upset that you would ask me to get rid of that for you. Like, I'm really uncomfortable doing that. You're going to have to find somebody else to do it. And I was like, oh, no, that's good. I got somebody else to do it already. I said, thank you, though. She was like, okay, cool. So then the day I got out, uh, the morning I got out. I oh, like, wait, wait. But I want to I wanna interject. So that day on Friday when you turned yourself in, I was in court. As soon as court's over... I think I had to test that day because they called Peach. And when I woke up that morning, I was like, ooh, I have a huge craving. So I was like, if they don't call my color, I'm going to take some Kratom to fight off this craving. But then I woke up before court and called, and they called my color. They called Peach. So I was like, oh, they are not going to... If they call Peach on a Friday, there's really less not likely to call it on a Monday because it was the end of the month. It was, I think, the, towards yeah. the end of the month. So I was like, they've called... That's the last time they're going to call Peach this month. So I get out of court and I go do... Not not a huge issue, but I, I go and I, I slam a goofball and I'm on a good one. I only did one that morning. 
right after court. I, t- I went to court, I tested, and then I went straight to my little location where I hide my stash and do a goofball, and I'm on a good one. Then I go to work, and who calls me but... And it's like 10.30, almost 11, and she's like, oh, come over, hang out. And I go to hang out with her, and she's drunk off her ass, starts making out with me, staying at um, a friend's house in a roommate's room who's out of town, who, mind you, has security cameras hidden all over his room so he could log on Wi-Fi and see like what's being on the, recorded on the video. So we're making out. Her roommate comes home drunk, and she's cool with me spending the night. So we're so then we go in the room. I'm goofballed out, you know, and uh, I uh, nice. I start banging in some random dude's room in his bed with like security cameras like covered with shirts and stuff. She's not on birth control, mind you, and she I almost put it in her butt, but we didn't have lube. It was fucking. I think we did have lube actually, but oh my god, it was. And I haven't really hung out with her since, unfortunately, but it is what it is. It was really good sex. And then the next day I had to buy her plan B because she was sketched out. So I went uh, before work and bought her some plan B and uh, worked the rest of the week weekend. Uh, and I like I like I said, it, this again, I, I did it and I put it down and stopped and flushed and they didn't call on Monday. And that's what happened. And I because I, I felt I don't know, like, I, I felt bad that what you were going through, and I was like, but then at the same time, I was like, dude, like, like you said, the, the beast was unleashed, and I was like, they're call, I was like, dude, they're calling my color today, this is the perfect time to go get fucked up again, but I mean, I didn't do a big shot, and I flushed the whole weekend, and then that happened also, so now you get, let's, let's fast forward, let's fast forward, let's fast forward, let's fast forward, let's fast forward.